chapter 20. things that uh, it's so important to understand is how you get healed, why. Uh, so often churches have gone away from the centrality and truth of the principle of God, which is that Jesus is the Savior. There's only one Savior one who came to redeem us. And the Holy Spirit was given that we might have a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's come to speak of Jesus. He hasn't come to speak of himself. And so often you go into churches and all they talk about is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And when they do that, I, I get worried because... I want to hear about Jesus. There's one who bled and died for you, Jesus Christ. There's one who rose again. And I just want to uh, take time this evening and turn your hearts to the truth and the simplicity of the gospel. Because that's what you need. It's so, so easy. Uh, it's not complicated, it's easy. Man makes things difficult. Uh, doctrines come along and here's a woman um, and so I want to deal with a woman who was smart her name was Mary and she turns up uh, you'll find it in John's gospel chapter 20 verse 11 uh, she wasn't as smart as she thought but then no spiritual woman is as smart as they think and here she was, Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. 
But I go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. And to my God and your God. He said, go to my brethren. You know, there's one thing about it. Jesus, when he met Mary, Mary was crying. Women have a gift of tears. You know, women can cry, can't they? Especially when they can't get their own way. Do you notice? Here she is, and she's crying away. Now, tears aren't going to help, are they? Hmm? And she looks in, and she sees two angels, and she sees where the body of Jesus lay. And she knew he wasn't there. And I said, why are you crying? I say, have you taken the body away and hidden it? And then she hears another voice. She turns, and there's Jesus standing there. And this woman, she's cried so much, as I said the other week, cried so much, her eyes are all swollen and puffy. Have you seen women like that? You know, their eyes get all puffy when they've had a good cry. Hardly see blurry vision there she was and Jesus is there she doesn't recognize him it's interesting she thought he was the gardener because of course the first Adam was a gardener he was sent to tend the garden it's interesting when he's risen. She thought he was a gardener because he's the second Adam. And so she looks and supposes that's who he was. And then he says, who, who are you seeking? Who are you looking for? And tonight I've got a question for you. Who are you looking for? Whatever your need is, physical, need, who is it you really seek? What is it you really need? And she, supposing him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where you've laid him. What was she going to do with the body? said, I'll take the body away. If you tell me where it is, I'll take... What was she going to do with the body? Once she got it. Have you ever wondered? How was she going to manage to carry it? What was her plan? And then Jesus says, Mary, and he, she recognizes that voice. Hmm. Something about Jesus. He's wonderful, isn't he? You know, God's not angry with anyone. It, man's given a false impression of God. Uh, I find that all over the world, wherever you go, people get a false concept that somehow God's an angry God. and, and uh, You get sermons, you know. Fearful sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, well, I want to tell you, God's not angry. He really isn't. He's a God of love, a God of grace. Uh, and Jesus didn't come 
to show anger. He just came to show grace. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Didn't come to condemn us. Came to save us. Didn't come to cast us off. Came to bring us in. And you need to understand what happened. And it's because of that, I, I just want to share a few scriptures with you. I want you to pay attention, each one of you. If you haven't come here for a miracle, well, you can get a miracle just listening if you'll believe it. Maybe you need a miracle more than you understand. In Hebrews chapter 9, it begins to explain. When he says, don't touch me, I'm not ascended to my father. He had a purpose. He was going back to heaven. Not to the temple made with hands. Not to Moses' temple. And might I also add, he wasn't going to the tabernacle of David. God deliver us from a lot of the errors that have come into the church because people have concocted notions. He wasn't going there. He was going to heaven to the pattern that, that Moses saw in the mount. He was going to the true place where Father was to say, Father, I've shed my precious blood for every single sin because the blood represents the life of a soul and he poured out his soul unto death and so his soul died now do understand it his spirit never died God could not die the man Jesus died but his spirit most certainly didn't don't ever let that blasphemy ever arise God never died three days Jesus the man Jesus Christ Jesus he died he paid the price for your sin and my sin but God did not die Jesus could not physically die till he dismissed his spirit because his spirit couldn't die he's God doesn't matter what man did you can't kill God no matter what the devil does, you can't kill God. You do understand that, don't you? And Jesus is God. And so when he said, Father, into my, thy hands I commend my spirit, he was dismissing his spirit from his body. If he didn't do that, he would live. No matter what. Blood or no blood. He would always live. Because he was a... He is spirit, he's life, he's everything. He's God. And so he dismissed his spirit and he poured out his soul unto death. And you understand this, that every man's spirit returns to God who gave it. Jesus Christ came to redeem your soul. You purify your soul in obeying the truth. It's the redemption of your soul that God is concerned about. I hope you understand that. It's your soul. Because your soul is in time. And that's the important thing. That's why you've got to redeem the time. And so I want to go to Hebrews. And deal with that. And if you follow through the scriptures it will help you. 
And if you didn't bring a good authorized version of the Bible with you, look over someone's. You need to know what the book says. So important to know what the book says. We're going to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, but Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? When Jesus said to Mary, don't touch me, I haven't gone back to the Father yet, he was going to offer his blood that he'd shed. He was going into the holiest place and saying, Father, I have obtained eternal redemption for all who will believe. It was a definite act. It was a choice of God. And Jesus came and fulfilled the will of his Father, and he went back and he offered his blood, his precious blood, for you and for I, to deal with the sin question forever. He offered it once for all. And it's so important to understand, and it purges your conscience. That means it cleanses your conscience your mind, from dead works. There's nothing that hinders a person from being a Christian more than guilt. Guilt of past. There's nothing that stops someone from receiving a miracle more than feeling that they're not worthy. I often point out to people, when the centurion came and made the great statement, oh, I'm not worthy that you should, have come, you should come under my roof, when Jesus said of the servant, I'll come and heal him. Centurion turns around and Jesus says, oh no, I'm not worthy. Well, who is worthy to have God under their roof? No one. It was a very pious remark. I wonder why he didn't want Jesus under his roof. What would he have seen there? Zacchaeus was a different case. When Zacchaeus jumped out of the tree, when Jesus said, come down, and he said, I'm coming to your house for tea. Zacchaeus was a rich man. As I always tell people, if you're going to invite yourself to tea, invite yourself to a rich man's house for tea. Get a better meal. And so Jesus knew who to choose. There was Zacchaeus up a tree. He said, I'm coming to your house for tea. And Zacchaeus, when he came down, he changed his lifestyle. The centurion never did that. He had faith. He understood authority. But he didn't have Jesus come to his home. No change of lifestyle. 
Miracle, yes. Change of lifestyle, no. That's very important to note. Here's this Jesus. He offers to the Father the blood. And it comes to purge your conscience. The Bible says there remains no more consciousness of sin. I find so many people are conscious all the time of failure, of sin. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not a Christian. A Christian knows cleansing. He's clean. Every whip. Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And there should be consciousness of God, not consciousness of sin. It shows where you are when you're conscious of sin. You're not conscious of God. You're still in your sin. But when that precious blood cleanses you internally from dead works, the things you did when you weren't regenerate, you're washed clean of them, then your conscience is clear before God. And it's vital that that happens in your life. That you realize that Jesus Christ has paid the price and it's as though you'd never sinned in your life. It's all blotted out. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And all unrighteousness means every single thing. That's the wonderful promise of God. I happen to believe it and experience it and know it. It's a wonderful thing when you know your sin's forgiven, isn't it? Hello? Is there a Christian here? Wonderful, isn't it? When you know, glory to God, I'm free. Jesus has done it. And um, here he goes and offers the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit. He offered himself without spot. And you'll find in Acts chapter 4, if you go with me to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 10, I love this, so plain, you know, Christians should always use plain language so no one can mistake what they're saying. Verse 10 says this, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. He said, if you want to know how a miracle happens, I'll tell you how it happens. Jesus Christ. You remember the cripple was healed. And Peter's answering them and he says, well, you need to know how it happened. And then he lays a charge to them. This Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. It's one way to upset people, isn't it? Pointed out, hey, 
This is the one. And this man stands whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other name given among men, whereby we must, hey, we must be saved. The name of Jesus. And they didn't like this name. I'd like to point out to you that that's the problem with this society we live in. They're happy for you to go to church. They're happy for you to um, be a believer as long as you keep it in the church and you don't go out and you don't ruffle feathers and you don't tell people, hey, Jesus intends you to live different. They're happy as long as you compromise and you believe in all the nonsense of this world about alternative lifestyles. You believe all the nonsense about, you know, whatever you do is all right. It's not. God has laid down standards. Those are the standards. You break them at your peril. Jesus came to save us from sin. Sin is living contrary to God's law and God's way. It's as simple as that. If you defy God, you're in sin. And here, Peter dumps it on him. This Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify. Glory to God. It, you, know, you can't get round the fact that it's your sin and my sin that took him to Calvary. It gets very personal. Very, very personal. Everything you've done, living independent from God, from the day of your birth, Jesus Christ has paid a price to wash it away. He took the responsibility, the power of it. My Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. He took the wrath of God into his own body that you might be free. What a wonderful thing he did on Calvary for you and for I. Amen? It's wonderful. And don't get the notion that the devil put him there. It was the predeterminate counsel of God that put him there. Hey, I want to tell you, the devil could not have dragged Jesus to Calvary. He set his face as a flint to go. He could have called ten legions of angels to deliver him at any moment. Don't ever get the idea that Calvary was a mistake. He knew what G Judas was going to do on the night of the Last Supper when he was going out to betray him. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He said, what you do, do quickly. He knew what was happening. Wasn't that somehow the devil had won. The devil has never won anything against God. Poor devil. He's so stupid. And all his servants are stupid. Because God is smart. He knows everything. 
He knows the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And so, the devil doesn't have a part in this really. That's what's so wonderful. He goes about like a roaring lion. His imitation. Everything's imitation with the devil. He lost everything. He got cast down. Calvary was the turning point for mankind when they realized this Savior had overcome all the power of the enemy. My. The devil's finished. I hope you don't think he's some great power that governs things. He don't govern anything. My God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He controls everything. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen? And when you get to the true truth, instead of believing all the nonsense that people want to force, they make the devil like God. And they minimize God. And they've got a small God and a big devil and the devil's doing this. and de devil's doing nothing. God's everything. Most of you don't need the devil to help you sin. You sin because that's what you want to do. My Bible says in James, it says you're drawn away of your own natural desire. That's what causes sin. It's your choice. But we have a God who's able. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. You're going to go through the Bible tonight if you came here and thought you weren't. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8. It says in verse 6 of Hebrews 8 verse 6 but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises now the better covenant established on better promises the Jews had a covenant and the Jews offered bull and goats and the blood of bulls and goats for sin. But they never ever could deal with the conscience factor. Uh, a Jewish person, every year, they had remembrance of everything. They had a day of atonement, but the day of atonement never dealt with the inside. It only dealt with the outside. Cleansed the flesh, but it couldn't renew the heart. Couldn't renew the spirit. And when Jesus came, he was the mediator of a better covenant built on better promises. Don't ever believe that the Old Testament prophets had better than us. They didn't. They had worse. We've got the better. And it's wonderful. The new covenant is a covenant written in the blood of Jesus Christ and it does something inside you because you have no more consciousness of sins. All your sin is dealt with. From the day of your birth to the very moment you believe and all that you will ever do, the price was paid by Jesus Christ. And it's better promises. 
That's why it says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, he's the propitiation for our sins. He's the one who'll come. And he's the mediator. He's the one who mediates for us. What a mediator we have. You don't have to have man. You've got Jesus. And it goes on to explain it. You'll find it, if you go turn the pages of the book, um, where do I want to go to? 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy and chapter 2. And I'm just going to pick verses, read them in your own time, make a note of the scriptures, read the context in your own time. I can't go through every scripture. Um, says this in verse 3 of 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ, Jesus. There's only one mediator. If you need a miracle tonight, I want to tell you, there's only one mediator. There's only one who stands between and does a miracle. His name is Jesus. Don't ever get the idea, if someone lays hands on you, it might be a point of identification. But it's Jesus who does the miracle. <laughs> Man can't stand and mediate. There's only one mediator. His name, Jesus. I, I get very angry. Lots of people start counseling and interfering in people's lives and poking their noses where they don't belong. God never intended the church of Jesus Christ to be poking their noses into other people's lives. Too many people do that. Call it counseling. Call it pastoring. It's wrong. Mind your own business. Don't become a busybody in other men's matters. It's not your place. I don't like that. There's only one mediator. Glory to God. His name is Jesus. Mediator of a better covenant built on better promises. What a God we have. God's on our side. And if God be for us, hey, we're okay, aren't we? We're on the winning side. And, and it's just so good to know. I find people want to stand and mediate. They say, oh, you know... Um, you need counselling. Well, you go to someone and start getting counselling, they'll tell you a load of old rubbish. There's one who's the counsellor. His name is Jesus. His name is Wonderful Counsellor, the Mighty God. And if you've got him counselling you, you won't go wrong. Go somewhere and the man, all they can do is fail, or the woman, all they do is fail. You think it's not the best person to go to. But thank God, we have a mediator, his name is Jesus. He wasn't messed up at all. 
He was really okay. He is the man. And when you come to the man Christ, you're okay. You're okay in his hands, aren't you? <laughs> Verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You can't come to Father and you can't get to God if you won't come to Jesus. You can't come any other way. There is no other name under heaven whereby you'll be saved, you'll be healed, you'll be delivered by the name of Jesus. There's no other way to come in. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. Don't believe it when Hindus tell you, oh, there are many ways to God. There's only one way. One way to come. The name of Jesus. You can't get to God the Father if you won't come by Jesus. That's it. That's what Jesus says. I happen to believe him, don't you? Hmm? Say, well, that's offensive to people of other religions. Tough. They've got the problem, not me. Jesus said it. I believe it. He's God. He should know. Don't ever get apologetic. Don't ever back off. If people don't want to go the right way, that's their problem. Don't you be one of these compromisers. Muhammad never healed anyone. Buddha never healed anyone. Our God is a good God. And Jesus wanted to make it clear. There's no one else who shed his precious blood. There's no one else who's entered into heaven. There's no one else who's your advocate. There's no other mediator between man and God but Jesus Christ. You cannot come another way. Don't let anyone fool you. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You can stay home and, and you can have your church in home. No, you can't. There's only one way, one mediator, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. That's it. His name is Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care if people get upset. That's their problem, not mine. The truth is Jesus. He's the Savior. You don't ever have to compromise or back down. Doesn't matter what people think. That's the truth. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Go back there. Hebrews 7. See, if you came for a miracle tonight, he sends forth his word to heal you. You need to listen. Hear it well. Hebrews chapter 7.
Uh, it's talking of the difference between um, Jesus is the Melchizedek, the priest, after the order of Melchizedek, everlasting priesthood. And it explains that in verse uh, 24. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, Jesus is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Wherefore, Jesus is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. Do you know God is able to reach to the uttermost depth of your soul and to save you? Doesn't matter what you've done in your life, doesn't matter how far you've sunk, how low you've sunk, doesn't matter how wrong you've gone, Jesus Christ is able to save you to the uttermost. If you'll come to God by him, he'll save you to the uttermost. There is no depth you can sink to that's beyond his help. You can't come to God any other way. Only by the name of Jesus. He's able to reach in. He's able to recreate your body. He's able to curse disease. He's able to loose fetters. He's able to transform lives. He's able to change natures. He's able to break fetters. He can save you to the uttermost. Or he can save you from the guttermost. That's our God. What a God we have. Only in the name of Jesus. If you'll come to God by him, he'll save you. And what a salvation it is. He'll transform your body, soul, and spirit. He'll recreate your spirit, give you a new spirit. Put a new heart within you. And write his law in your heart and in your mind. That's what he comes to do. And he'll cleanse you from all your sin. What a salvation. Wonderful. But you have to come to God by him. Don't think you can get away with it some other way. Don't think there's some other way through. If you don't come by the door to the sheepfold, and you try and climb up some other way, I've got news for you, you won't make it. If you'll come this way, he'll do it to the uttermost. That's the promise of God. I believe his word. I believe his promise, don't you? He can't lie. He's put his name to it. He says, this is what I'll do. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Verse 6 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
You know, God cares. You might think no one cares. I want to tell you someone who does, God cares. He cares for you. He cares for everything about you. He's a good God. He really cares for you. I find so many people think God doesn't care. He does. He really cares. People say to me, oh no, he doesn't care. He doesn't care for me. Oh yes, he does. He cares for you. And you're to cast all your care upon him. You don't let yourself get into a state. He cares for you. And he wants you to cast all your care upon him. For that very reason. You might be sick. You might be bound. You might have lots of problems in your life. He cares for you. And is able to save you to the uttermost. If you'll come to God by him. Do you believe that tonight? It's true. It's promise of God. He can't lie. 1 John. First epistle of John. Chapter 1. Verse 9. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Everything that's wrong between you and God will be washed away. If we confess our sins... Now may I say, it's not confessing your sins to a man. It's coming to God. There's only one mediator between man and God. That's the man Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done. Matters what God's going to make you. Doesn't matter about your past. It matters about your future. Our God's good. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us the same. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Everything that's unrighteous in your life goes. And when you wash clean, he divides it as far from you as east is from the west. He'll remember it no more. It's over, it's finished, it's gone forever. So don't you start going around saying, oh, but I did this, but I did that. Well, I tell you, it doesn't exist in God's economy. I meet a lot of Christians who try and confess everything and keep confessing and keep confessing and keep confessing. What they're living in is unbelief. 